as we think about all that's happening in our world, we think about what's happening even here locally, if we, if we think about what's happening even inside of our own hearts and minds, sources of anxiety abound, don't they? Right? Sources of anxiety abound. Right? As we think about, obviously, all the different scenarios and possibilities in terms of COVID and the pandemic, as we think about what's happening in terms of weather-related or natural disasters, right? the earthquake in Haiti, we think about this hurricane that right now is heading right towards New Orleans. As we think about our relationships and we think about politics and it, even from talking to many of you, just visiting with family this summer, it's been a difficult time to have normal conversations without stepping on a landmine and the uncertainty that comes with relationships. Isn't it true that sources of anxiety abound? Right? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about anxiety as we continue in the sermon series called Let's Dance. Now next week is the final Version, the final sermon from that sermon series, so we need to finish strong. So I want to hear those words from you. Let's dance. Let's dance. Give it a little more volume one more time. Let's dance, right? As you recall, if you're new with us or joining with us online for the first time, these opening weeks of me serving as a senior pastor here at New Providence, I've likened leadership to a dance, right, where two partners come together, and it takes time for those partners to get to know each other. It takes time to develop trust. And in the beginning, they step on each other's toes, but over time, they find a rhythm. And in that rhythm, there's joy, and there's that rhythm, and with that rhythm comes a shared understanding. And so in these opening weeks, my goal has been to share with you some of the key teachings that have impacted my faith and also my understanding of what it means to serve as a pastor. And the goal is to give you a window into my heart and mind as we begin together. And so today, we're going to focus on anxiety, a topic which is close to home for me. Right? Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines anxiety as an apprehensive uneasiness or nervousness usually over an impending or anticipated ill. In other words, it's that horrible feeling that comes over us when there's something uncertain in the future. And typically it's connected to fear. We don't know what's going to happen, and so something begins to well up. Right? Some of the different symptoms of anxiety. Right? Physically, when you feel weak all over or a rapid pounding heartbeat, when there's muscle tension, or chronic fatigue. Right? Think about things that we think, I can't carry on, I've got to get out of here. Or maybe something like, I'm going to faint, or I can't go on alone. No one will help. What about emotional symptoms, what we feel? Maybe feeling like you're full of fears and can't get, can't get those fears out of your mind, or you feel like something terrible is going to happen. And with that comes excessive worry and feeling uneasy. I know for me, I've had to wrestle with anxiety in my life. Moments where when there's an uncertain future and there's fears associated with it, there's that feeling that there's no technical term, it's not a theological deep word, it's that icky feeling that comes over you when you don't know how things are going to turn out. Um, I've had to wrestle with this, and, and, and especially when it comes from either within or from others. And for me, anxiety, when I encounter anxiety, whether it comes from within or I experience it from others, I almost have like an allergic reaction to it. It's like something's in the air and something happens and it, it, it gets me going. And with that, I have to make a choice every time that kicks up inside of me. I have to make a choice in terms of how I'm going to respond to anxiety. One choice is for me to go try and deal with it alone, turn inward and try and fix it. Right? Make it better. Address the problem. That's one way to try to deal with it. 
Another way to try to deal with it is to go to other people, right? Start having conversations, whether it's in person or on the phone, whether it's a phone call or maybe a text message to an individual or maybe to a group text or out to social media. But another way to deal with anxiety, the one way that truly, for lack of a better term, works is to go to God, is to go to God first. The way I like to say it is, do you try and deal with anxiety alone or do you deal with anxiety by going to the phone? Or do you deal with anxiety by going to the throne? And that's what we're going to focus on today. Put that before you. Do you struggle with anxiety like I do? I'm guessing you do to some extent. And in some form or capacity, you can fall in one of those three categories. Maybe all three at the same time. And we all face that choice. Are we going to try and deal with anxiety alone? By going to the phone? Or going to the throne? As we dive into this, the good news is that God doesn't leave us without instruction on this, right? Jesus talked a lot about worry, especially perpetual worry. And his followers, in their writings, right, the apostles wrote about this. And so though their anxiety back in the first century was, may seem different, in many ways there's nothing new under the sun. Because all of us as human beings, I think how God's created us, yes, we have the ability to think about the future and to try and plan for the future. But with an uncertain future, especially when fear is involved, we could find ourselves getting trapped and overtaken and even paralyzed by anxiety. So Jesus had a lot to say about anxiety. His followers had a lot to say about anxiety, and we're going to look at it. But I do want to focus particularly and say right out of the gate um, that this is a starting point for anxiety. We're not going to solve all of your anxious challenges in one sermon today, and that's why this is you know, part of the Let's Dance series. There's going to be a whole sermon series on this. And specifically, Jesus in particular talked mostly about perpetual worry. And so in situations where, like clinical anxiety, where there's something physical that's, that's a struggle, or that requires either medication or additional help, right? There's additional help that can be provided. But here we're going to look at the first step. And so whether you're dealing with that, to, that level of anxiety or other types of just perpetual worry day to day, all of us can consider these words today as a first step. And after that first step, we see that's where God brings additional grace. So to begin, we're going to start with one verse out of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. And it's 11 words. And these words have been a life verse for me. Right? Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Right? Cast all your anxiety on him, meaning God, because he he cares for you, right? This word cast, it's this picture of throwing it, throwing it somewhere. And it's the only other time this word is used in the New Testament is when the disciples throw cloaks on the colt before Jesus gets on the colt on what's come to be known as Palm Sunday, right? They throw the cloaks on that colt and Jesus gets up on that colt. It's this picture of throwing it and throwing all of it. Right? And here, Peter, right, who's writing to people in the first century who are going through all kinds of anxieties, Big-time persecutions. Lots of questions about the future. And here in the midst of this, where they, their lives are being threatened daily, right? this is not a cute little prayer. This is a prayer of desperation. And it's a move that is one of trust and dependence on God. He exhorts the Christians of that time. And by extension, we're exhorted today to do this, to cast not some, not a little, but all of our anxiety on God. I shared a couple weeks ago about how a Bible study principle, look for words that seem to be additional words 
when they don't have to be there, right? So Peter could have written, cast your anxieties on him. But he intentionally, I believe, says, cast all your anxieties on him because as humans, we tend to want to keep things, keep some things to ourselves. We'll fix it or we'll share it with others. Here, Peter says, no, cast all of your anxiety on God. And what's the reason? It's a beautiful reason. He says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Because God cares for you. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that God cares for you? That God loves you? I want to give you some good news today. God loves you. He really does. And he cares for you. He knows your story. He knows what you've been through. He knows what you're going through. He knows the anxieties that you are facing right now. Whether it's what's going to happen this afternoon, this week, this month, the year ahead, years ahead. And the invitation from God, and even the command from God, it's a loving command, is to cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. It's a God who wants to hear about your cares and burns. It's not a God who's up there being like, I'm busy, I don't need to hear from you. I've got billions of people telling me their cares. You're not important. The wonder and beauty of God is in his infinite care and love and who he is, he cares for you. You matter to him. And he wants to hear from you. And that's why Peter said, cast all your anxieties on him. But how do we do it? Right, another, writer, another writer in the New Testament, right, the early church leader Paul, and he wrote to the, to the Christians in Philippi, in the letter known as Philippians. I mean, this letter was written primarily for unity within the body of Christ. Right? There were people that weren't getting along, and he wanted to encourage them in this unity. And so as he wrote about this, this, yes, applies individually, but it also applies because it brought healing to the community of faith. And these great words in Philippians 4, 4 through 7, we read this. Right? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If you've been around the church, you've read your New Testament, these are probably familiar words to you. But if you haven't, or for all of us, these are life-giving words. For me, these words are living water on a thirsty day. Where he begins by saying, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Right? Joy is a marker of a Christian. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And here it's actually commanded, commanded of us to rejoice. Not just to rejoice in general, but to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in who he is. Right? Happiness is fleeting. It's based on circumstances. But here, to have joy, joy is rooted in a relationship with God. Where we experience his promises, embrace his grace, and experience that joy. And he says, to, to refocus our hearts and minds, one way to do it is to rejoice in the Lord. Always no matter what. Well, what does he then say to do? He says, he gives another call to action. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Then he says, the Lord is near. But this word gentleness is an interesting word. 
As you really dig into it, the word talks about a gentle forbearance, meaning being able to put up with other people, especially in anxious times. We're not agreeing with other people. How do you then, do you get in their face? Do you write a, a scathing comment on Facebook? Or do you let your gentleness be evident to all? Here Paul is saying, and, and one of my mentors over the years, Earl Palmer, uh, his translation of this word was relaxation. Let your relaxation be evident to all. Meaning, the Lord is near. Right here, it would have been very interesting because the Lord for these people was Caesar. He's not, he's not talking about Caesar is near. He's not talking about political leaders are near, so everything's going to be okay. He says the Lord Jesus is near. And because God is near, because he's accessible, we can let our gentleness or our relaxation be evident to all. Right? To a watching world where everyone else is backbiting and, and attacking each other, here Paul says, let your gentleness, your relaxation, be evident to all because the Lord is near. Right then these great words and the call to action is to not be, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious about anything. Right, but in every situation, right, present your request. Present your request to God. Do this through prayer and petition and do it with thanksgiving. Right, those are, that's a tall order, right? Not to be anxious about anything. How are we to do that here? Paul says to do it is through prayer. Right, in essence, to cast, like Peter says, to cast all our anxieties on him because he cares for you. And to do it with thanksgiving and to bring those prayers to God, to bring it to him. In essence, to bring it to the throne. Right, back to the beginning, right? Not to try and deal with it alone. Not to share it with others or go to the phone. But go to the throne, right? Hebrews 4, 16, a great verse which shows us this invitation. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, right? So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Right? Here's an invitation. Do you realize you have an open invitation with the God of the universe to go to him anytime, to go to the throne of grace, Right, to receive mercy and to find grace and to receive help in your time of need. Right, because of Jesus, he's opened that gate. He's opened that door. We can go to the throne of grace. We don't have to deal with our anxieties alone. We don't have to just try and go to other people and go to the phone. We can actually go to the throne and bring our anxieties to him. And what's the result? The promise of God, right, and the, the rest of Philippians is that we can then receive the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. And what would that peace do? It's going to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. An incredible promise. An incredible promise. That we receive this peace, this peace that is beyond our understanding. And there's multiple ways of looking at this. On the one hand, it, it blows our mind. We can't understand it. The other way of looking at it is the fact that the rest of the world, the world that doesn't care about God, ignores God, pretends he doesn't exist, tries to make life work without God, they don't understand this type of peace. And if you've been around someone who's had that type of peace because of their faith in Christ, you know what I'm talking about. Some who go through very difficult times and you're like, clearly, clearly, you should be freaking out right now. But for whatever reason, there's a peace. And that peace is beyond our understanding. For followers of Christ, we have a glimpse saying they're really living it. They're trusting God. 
That's a beautiful thing. For others who are outside the faith who don't think God exists and ignore him and try to make life work, they, they, just doesn't under, they can't comprehend that type of peace. Here Paul's saying it's a peace that transcends all understanding and this peace will guard your heart, the core of your being, and guard your thoughts and your mind in Christ Jesus. And so for me it comes in the form of a prayer. It's a very simple prayer. It's two words. Take it. Take it. It's a prayer that I've had to land on. Not to get overcomplicated, not, no flowery language, not 25 minutes of prayer. It's just two words, take it. And when I've faced anxiety, and it's come my way, and I've been tempted to try and handle it on my own, right? Or if I've thought, okay, I need to go talk to someone, or call someone, or text someone, an individual, or text a group chat. I have to confess something to you. I'm a stressed out Mets fan. A report actually came out yesterday that someone had analyzed all the tweets of, around all the different types of sports teams. And for Major League Baseball, New York Mets fans are the most stressed out fan base. <laughs> and thanks to my grandfather who pointed me to be a Mets fan, I'm a stressed out Mets fan. Apparently the Astros are second, we won't get into that. But the fact that the Mets are number one. And I'm part of a group, a text group of friends down in Virginia who are a bunch of Mets fans. When I was down there, there weren't a lot, so we kind of bounded together. And as I was preparing for the sermon this week, I'm like, man, what a hypocrite I am. I am a hypocrite. I'm talking about, don't deal with it on your own. Don't go to the phone. Go to the throne. And what am I doing? Every time, which is a lot recently, if you've been following sports, the Mets get down. I'm like, these guys are horrible. What's going on? They can't score. Runners in scoring position. Left on base. World records. I mean, it's crazy what I'm texting these guys. And eventually I'm like, what's wrong with me? I need to live this out. And so I told them 48 hours ago, I'm taking a break. I'm like, because I'm preaching on this, and I can't go up there and preach on this if I'm going to be going to the phone and putting my sports stress all over these guys. Um, and one guy wrote back, he's like, man, I respect that. I need to do the same thing. And so this texture is probably going to dissolve. But the fact that, like, in the short term, I was realizing I was doing that. And so take it. Right? And that's just a silly example. There was years ago, I was going through a very, very, very stressful time. And in fact, the song we just sang, um, in terms of God not leaving us, not forsaking us, that song hit me at a good moment many years ago. And during that same moment, that's when this word, this prayer, take it, came because I, was, I couldn't take it anymore. And I found myself, I know friends are saying, one way to deal with anxiety is exercise. So when I was running, I would pray and I would just name things that were anxious things that were causing anxiety in my life. And I would say, take it. And in fact, I would go like this, take it. And if you saw me running through this neighborhood and you looked out your door or window, you'd see this guy running down the street. You're like, this guy's a freak because I was like, take it, take it. And I just couldn't take it anymore. And I'm like, and I'd just be running. I'm like, take it, God, take it. Now, that's not for everyone. But those words are. And those words summarize these two, ver these two passages. And so wherever you are, God invites you to pray those words. God, take it. Take it, God. Take it. I can't take it anymore. The prayer is an act of trust and dependence and ultimately of surrender. Because if we try and deal with it on our own, it's not going to get better. If we start going to other people right away, what's key is right away. There's a time to go to people after you go to God. We'll get to that in another sermon. But here, right away, to not make your first move go to other people because you think by sharing your anxiety with another person, it's gonna get better. But for me, it's like poison ivy, right? It's there. It's, you, you're like, don't scratch it. Don't scratch it. There's an itch. And you're like, don't do it. Don't do it. And then you scratch it. And what happens? It spreads everywhere. 
That's anxiety. Right? When we share it with others, it's like scratching poison ivy. It just spreads everywhere. It doesn't make it better either. It may feel good for a moment. It's like scratching. Oh, I feel good. Oh. I mean, it doesn't feel good in the long run. God calls us not to try and deal with anxiety alone, not to go first to the phone, but to go to the throne. Bring it to him and ask him to take it. Hebrews 11:6, this great verse in terms of God's provision for us. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. When we earnestly seek God and we earnestly bring to him our anxieties, remember those words of 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast it all on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. And this great promise from Isaiah 26.3, and we read it before, you will, to God, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. And so this basic prayer, take it, this casting our anxiety on God, it's a step of dependence, it's a step of trust. And God offers the promise of his perfect peace as we do this. Again, coming back to what I said before This is specifically these biblical writers were talking about perpetual worrying. In other situations where there's something physical, something that needs, it requires medication or additional counseling, there's additional help. God can provide that too. But the first step is to turn to God. Ask him to take it. And then to trust the next steps from other people, friends and family, medical experts and the like depending on to the level of anxiety that you're experiencing. Because we all experience anxiety in some form or fashion. We're human beings. I've been told one time after I preached a sermon on anxiety, someone came up and said, thank you for sharing that. I thought I was sinning because of anxiety. We're human beings. The future is unknown, and it's really unknown now. And this is a, not a weekly, not a monthly, this is a daily, moment-by-moment battle. And God invites us to come to him, to come to the throne, recognizing that ultimately Jesus did this, right? Jesus, right? Fully God, yes, but fully human, right? Before he went to the cross, recognizing he was going to take the weight of all of the sin of humanity on him, right? Went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and in that moment, he prayed to the point of sweating like blood. His prayers are so intense. He prayed, and then when he was on the cross, going through what he went through for us, dying for our sins, that suffering that he went through. Even there, he cast his anxieties to the Father, and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's an honest prayer. And even looking at all those in front of him, he could have rained down curses on them or yelled at them or done anything. Instead, he said, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. Right? Even Jesus showed us the way. And with his life reproduced in us, we can follow in his steps, cast all of our anxiety on God because he cares for us. Imagine, imagine what your life would look like if you made your first move to go to the throne instead of trying to deal with it alone or spreading anxiety by the phone. Imagine what your life could be like. Imagine what it would be different to have him take that anxiety, to absorb that anxiety. Imagine what that would look like as a church family, right, where, yes, we always, every church goes through anxious times. But our choice is first, do we go to God or do we go to others or do we try and handle it on our own? Imagine in our community, here in New Providence and beyond, 
Like, wow, there's that church that doesn't freak out all the time. In a church where everyone is just spewing all kinds of stuff on social media and everything to say, something's different about the New Providence Presbyterian Church. Maybe there is some hope around the corner. Maybe because in Philippians 4, 5, we're living out, let your gentleness or relaxation be evident to all. Imagine what that would be like. It takes steps to do it. So I'm going to give you one thing to remember, one thing to do, and, and a couple questions to consider. But before, the one thing to do, I've asked you to say, let's dance. I asked you to pray that prayer with me. Say these words. Take it. Go. Take it. Now it's going to get uncomfortable. We're going to get a little physical here, right? If you can, no, don't look left or right. You're going to look a little weird. I invite you to go like this. Take it. One, two, three. Take it. Those online joining us, you're on your couch. If you're driving, don't do this. Because I want your hand on the wheel. But for everyone else, one more time. One, two, three. Take it. Right? So one thing to remember, God cares about you. God cares about you, and he invites you to cast your anxiety on him. On him. And receive his perfect peace in our ever-increasingly anxious world. One thing to do is to cast your anxiety on God this week. Right? Cast it on him and embrace his promised peace. By going to the throne first, right? When you, when, not if, when you have that sense of anxiety to say, okay, I'm gonna resist just going inward and dealing with, I'm gonna resist like texting someone right away, texting a group text or putting something on social media. Instead, go to the throne first. And say, God, here I am. God, just take it. And just name whatever that anxiety is. And so for the questions to help you think through this, I invite you to think about these questions over lunch today or maybe dinner tonight or sometime this week, whether on your own or with another person. I've heard of some small groups who've been taking these questions and using that as opposed to reading a whole other chapter or watching a whole other sermon, just going deeper on the content for these questions. It's a great way to get things going. Question number one is, what is causing anxiety in your life today? As we move into this fall season, right, a new school year, maybe you're in a, a new job, maybe you're in a new situation, maybe you've just moved here like us and there's a lot of anxiety with more boxes to unpack. Well, what is it, what's causing anxiety in your life today? I invite you to even, on a piece of paper, to write out this question, ask God, what is it? Ask him to search your heart and just write some things down. Because sometimes actually writing things down helps name reality. And even if it's naming it or verbalizing, what is it, what's, in your, what's causing anxiety in your life today? Number two, ask yourself this question. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a convicting question. What is your first move when it comes to dealing with anxiety? And be honest. Is it try to deal with it alone? That's been much of my life. Is it going to the phone or going to others first? Or is it bringing it to the throne? And consider what those options are and what that could look like. Lastly, this is where it gets really specific. What specific source of anxiety can you cast on God in prayer this week? And say, take it. Where it is something that's in your life that's causing you anxiety. And that's the first step. From that, there's other steps. We'll get to that when we handle this in a whole other sermon series. But the first step is to simply say, God, take it take it. So one more time on three. Ready? One, two, three. Take it. I love it. Take it. Um, let's pray. Let's pray now. Father in heaven, as we finish up here, Lord, I thank you for the promises throughout scripture, God, that you indeed do care for us. You love us. 
We may not always feel that. We may question that. But God, you are constant. And we just sang it in that song, Lord, you are constant. And you promise to never leave us nor forsake us. And so God, I pray for each person, Lord, who's heard this sermon, whether here in person, whether online or sometime in the days ahead, I pray, God, that you would meet them in their anxiety. That all of us struggle with anxiety in some capacity. Oh, Lord, meet us, Lord. Invite us. Help us to see that invitation that we can bring our anxieties to you. We can bring our cares and our burdens to you. We can bring it to the throne. Lord, help us to also see that there's only so much that can be addressed when we deal with it on our own or we go to others first. Instead, Lord, help us to first go to you, to try this out, to pray those words, take it, and Lord, that you would take it, you would receive it, and you would help us, and you would give us that perfect peace that only you can give, a peace that transcends all understanding. We give ourselves to you. We give our anxieties to you. We look to you. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.